0: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so thankful you are joining us again today alongside my new friend, Melissa Lancaster. Melissa and I actually met through a mutual friend, Brenda Russell, who you may remember from season one of the Love Offering Podcast. When I asked Brenda who was the most extraordinary giver that she knew in her life, she nominated Melissa. And so after getting to know Melissa, I can see why Brenda thought to nominate her. Melissa lives in Somerset, Kentucky with her husband and three children. She is currently the Director of Ministry and Volunteer Services at Lake Cumberland Regional Hospital. In this role, she is the Coordinator of Volunteer Chaplains, Health Career Explorers, Adult Volunteers and Charitable Giving, as well as a contact for many local councils and agencies that collaborate with the hospital. Melissa has a bachelor's degree from Eastern Kentucky University and a master's degree from Mount St. Joseph University. She has worked and or volunteered in youth ministry for over 25 years and is an active member of the St. Mildred's Church. Melissa enjoys participating in her children's various sports booster clubs. She's a member of God's Food Pantry and is also involved in leadership roles with Somerset-Pulaski County Interagency Council, Ministerial Association, and the Lake Cumberland Partners and Caregiving Support Group. Today on the episode, we discuss motherhood, inadequacy, her position in each of these roles that we just described above, God's provision, the power of prayer, and how we can love those who are ill and grieving. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Melissa. Hello, Melissa. Thank you for being my guest today. Hi,
1: Rachel. Thanks for asking me.
0: We met through a mutual friend, Brenda Russell, who's been on the show, and she actually nominated you as one of the most extraordinary givers she has ever known, which is quite an honor, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. So before we talk about your current role, would you share with listeners your testimony?
1: Sure. So I, mine might little different than than some people in that i was born and raised um with faith my whole life i was born um into a catholic roman catholic family and aunts and uncles and grandparents on all sides and just lots of love and steeped in faith steeped in church on sundays and in christ and um who he is and what he's done for us. And so ever since I was a little bitty, um, church has been a big part of my life. And I went through lots of different youth, youth, youth ministry things through high school, was able to attend, a um, it was called TCL, Training Christian Leaders Workshop, um, one week over a summer that I think probably was one of the most impactful things in my life as far as really helping me know um, what I wanted to do as a young adult going into my adult years with my faith and really becoming active with that in my own way, separate from all of the family upbringing and, you know, the, the church instruction I'd been given. And um, <clears throat> I guess I remember one of the most powerful moments about that was um, we were kind of doing a, an enactment of, of the gospel story of Christ leading up to his resurrection and and I was the narrator and I just found myself weeping as I got closer you know, to his crucifixion and the resurrection and just the power of being the narrator of that story at such a young age. I think I was maybe 16 at the time, um, just really, really moved me and, and made me realize on a young adult level in my heart, really what this meant for me as I moved forward. And I remember coming back from training Christian leaders and just really feeling inspired and empowered and, and ready to do more with my faith. And then, um, it was a part of Young Spirits, which was a non denominational Christian um, music ministry in our small town. That once a year we would get together and practice from January probably until right around Easter. My memory's a little foggy. That was a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, but we would practice and we would do it, We were on a stage and it wasn't a musical, like a traditional musical story as much as it was a musical where we would do a lot of songs. We had risers and we had different individual solos, but anyways, um, mostly group music with some choreography. Um, and, it, and it was called young spirits. And every year we would have a different themed musical we would do and, really loved that, did that for about three years through my high school years. And I remember having a moment um, during one of our evenings when the, the best way that I know to describe it was just feeling as if light um, had flooded me from my toes, from the tips of my toes, kind of all the way up my body, you know to my head, and just kind of a singling, a tingling, light-filled just a powerful moment of just knowing without a doubt that, that the Lord was in me and was working through me and had responded to my prayers. And um, just so those are a couple of times that I can just really remember knowing without a doubt, you know, that God was with me and that, that Christ was with me and was going to work through me. Um, but it had always been there in my life since I was very young and, and has always been a part of me. So then I moved on into college and was a part of the Newman Center at EKU for four years, was very involved there and did music ministry at at Sunday services and did different activities. Um, Just was always kind of a part of my life. I'm I'm a little boring that way. (laughs) I don't have a big edge cliffed, you know, testimony of this is when I was saved or this is when I just knew I had to give it all to Jesus. Mine was just always kind of there, always always rooted in that and um, just really felt like God's kind of led me throughout my life throughout my life well
0: so now you you actually have a master's of divinity and your background is
1: in counseling so well somewhat somewhat somewhat? I mean that that's part of what the degree was was some counseling some sociology some pastoral ministry um but I started right out of college actually as a youth minister um at the cathedral in Lexington And I always say that that was a big, that was definitely Holy Spirit led because I did not have, my degree was in geography, travel, and tourism, which my husband loves to tease me about because (laughs) I'm not the greatest (laughs) with geography, (laughs) but travel and tourism was really what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to work, you know, in the tourism industry. And so that was where the degree was lodged when I was back at EKU. So when I graduated and was looking for a full-time job the cathedral in lexington actually had posted the job in the newspaper and i saw it um and and put my name in the bucket even though honestly i did not have on paper what they listed that they thought somebody should have in order you know to be qualified to be a youth minister um, especially at a very large church but i just felt led to go ahead and put my name in the bucket and sure enough i was interviewed and i always tell people when i tell the story Number one, I cried during the interview. I was young. I mean, I was just out of college. I was 22. And they, um, when they were interviewing me, they said something that touched me about the the pastor, the priest who had um, given them a reference for me, given them an acknowledgement. And just whatever he had said about me had just, just moved me. I didn't realize he thought that of me. And So I got a little weepy during the interview. (laughs) I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I've completely bombed that interview. There's no way these people are going to hire this little girl right out of college and um, going home that night and really feeling stressed out about it. And but I just prayed about it. And the biggest piece came over me. And I remember praying. I really wanted the job. But I also just said, Lord, if this is not what you have for me. Let me be okay about it. Let me just let it go. And I know you've got something for me and I'll just figure it out as it comes along. And just went to sleep with such a peace after I struggled with feeling like I'd had the worst interview on earth. And um, then I tell people that the Holy Spirit just went around the room and said, hire her anyway," <laughs> because they did. They uh, looked past the fact that on paper, they probably should have never interviewed me. And I was the full-time coordinator of youth ministry and religious education for 8th through 12th grades for 8 years there. Mm, Yeah, what a um, cool opportunity. It was. And during that time is when I gained um, my master's degree. I started to go um, back to college to get my master's.
0: Okay. Well, then fast forward a little bit and you became a mother of three and decided to stay home with them. So would you share
1: about this new season of your life? Sure. So um, I never really stopped working completely, but I had worked at the cathedral for eight years and then I had worked at another church for seven years um, doing youth ministry as well. And when a couple of my kids were little, that actually was a blessing because I was able to bring them to the office with me, was able to really have them near me during that time and still do the work I needed to do because so much of what I did was nights and weekends. Um, I would keep them with me during the day, and then my husband would keep them some in the evening. But as they got a touch older um, was when I really, not older, older, but closer to school age was when I really said, you know, I'm away from them now at night. I want to switch. I want to be able to be home with them when they're home. Um, so I ended up switching into just doing some things that was more freelance and just odds and ends, I guess you could say, but, um, and really enjoyed that when the, youngest, the third was still younger, was able to keep her with me some and do more freelance. And then the other two had moved on into school and then was able to be with them nights and weekends because my former career with youth ministry had always kind of taken me away from them nights and weekends, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't really completely ever stay at home, but I was, um, much more free to craft my schedule around, their needs. And it was wonderful. If, if either of them was sick, I could still get some work done, but be home with them during the days, um, and could just kind of cater to the family's needs really. Yeah. So that was a blessing.
0: Well, so then at some point you, you felt led, I guess, as they got older to go back to full-time work, but you sort of, you, you had shared with me that you were unsure of which direction to go. So how did God provide for you in this specific
1: situation? Oh my goodness. So there was a lot in between there. Um, We had a couple of small businesses that we had. That was part of what I ended up kind of doing freelance too during that time. Um, We had a small business that I ended up managing as best I could from home. Um, And we closed that. And I was really looking for something because the kids were in school during the day. And a friend of mine in introduced me to a doctor's office um, that needed someone as a manager and they hired me quite honestly on faith. Again, I had no, they really, I didn't have any background in, med- in medical, in the healthcare industry at all. But interestingly enough, I had found myself thinking about and praying about what I should do next and, and looking for things. And um, I kept thinking in my mind, I, I really believe the spirit kept saying to me, you really should think about healthcare. And I kept thinking, gosh, it's always going to be there. There, you know, there's always going to be jobs available in healthcare. It's never going to go away. Yeah. Um, oh, and I and I just kind of thought to myself on and off, gosh, it's a shame. You know, I didn't really go down that route. Um, but then I ended up, this friend said, I know this person. So they ended up hiring me. And I worked there for three years at a doctor's office full-time and um did their did their books essentially did their billing, did all of their incoming referrals from doctor's offices, all of the work with the nursing homes they worked with. Um, it really just God gave me the foundation of what I needed in healthcare to get to what I do now in my life. Um, on, on top of the foundation of the ministry work and the pastoral ministry degree, um, He gave me the opportunity to get steeped in healthcare through this person who took a, a leap of faith on me. And really, honestly, I feel like she went based on character more than anything. My friend said, this person will work hard. She, you can count on her. She can learn the job. She doesn't know it, but she can learn it. And I really feel like God placed me there for three years to learn that. Because then um, when I felt like it was time to move on and really look elsewhere, the job came open at, that I do now as uh, Director of Ministry and Volunteer Services at Lake Cumberland Regional Hospital. And that is just the hugest blessing. It, I feel like God really brought me right into that job, but gave me the foundation I needed along the way. Because there were times while I worked at the doctor's office that I would say to God, this is, this is not what you have for me long term. I know it's not. This isn't, it wasn't feeding my soul the way that I knew that another career could. I knew that it was temporary and that there was a purpose for it at the time. And I always thanked God for, thank you for a regular income at a steady workplace where I'm safe and warm and dry because I had done some outside sales on and off (laughs) and that is hard to do. It's, you've got to really push yourself and you have to go out on days when it's cold and yucky and, and call on people. And so it was just a time in my life when I knew I wasn't going to stay at that job forever, but I know that God placed it on my plate because I was meant to have that experience in healthcare long enough to have a good grounding. So when there was an opportunity at the hospital, um, I was a perfect fit because I had the ministry background, the background working with teenagers and young people and enough understanding of healthcare to understand the workings of a hospital. Yeah, I love that so much how, you know, so many times we don't
0: understand why certain things happen in
1: mm-hmm. our lives,
0: but then how it all came full circle for you, and now looking back, you're like, "Oh, this all makes so much sense." Yes. Uh, so tell us about. So you just you mentioned that you currently work at our local hospital as the director of ministry and volunteer services. So what is your job description, and and can you tell us what you do um, on a typical day to
1: day basis? Sure. So um, I coordinate several pockets of volunteers at the hospital i do coordinate our our volunteer chaplains we do not have anybody on staff that is a paid you know certified chaplain per se i'm probably the closest to that and even i really don't have a quote-unquote chaplaincy certification but i do of course have my master's with a lot of experience ministering um so i coordinate about 22 volunteer chaplains i create their schedule Make sure that they know what they're doing. Um, make sure all of their paperwork is up to date, and then each of them takes a week at a time to be on call. Um, I back them up, of course, always. When I'm there, I may go call call on people or visit with people, pray with people, etc. Just depending on the day and depending on where my chaplains are, um, I coordinate. The Health Career Explorer program, which is one of the biggest gifts ever, we have one of the largest, actually, or most active in the country as far as health career explorers go. There are lots of career explorer posts through the Boy Scouts of America, but ours is specific, of course, to healthcare. And we have um, any on any given week, I probably have well ten to twenty ish, twenty five students who will come in and volunteer. Um, so I coordinate their schedules. They text back and forth with me, and we set them up for times to come in and help in various departments, times to shadow with different things so that they can learn. It's literally what it's called. It's a career exploration program, and it's for teenagers, 14 to 20. So it's right up my alley. I have a big heart for young people, and I just— some days still think, I just think, really, God, is this what you have for me for a job? This is the greatest ever. I love it. I get to really mentor young people and, and see them move forward in their careers. Um, I also work hand-in-hand hand with our marketing and our community relations team. So I help coordinate the charitable giving at the hospital. I help to make sure that checks um, are approved and are, are given out. And I help us with multiple in-house fundraisers every year we work with groups like march of dimes and the american cancer society this year we worked with the walk to end alzheimer's and the um, american heart association walk so i'm a big part of all of that coordinating all of that and just helping with community events and then of course we have somebody who coordinates our adult volunteers but she does report to me so i help to oversee that as well I always say when people say you work at the hospital and I always laugh and say, yes, but I don't do anything medical. (laughs) (laughs) It's all it's all heart related and people related and just soft touch work. But I love it. So a typical day would involve some meetings, looking at what's coming up, um, making sure that explorers are scheduled and know what they're going to do, helping Arlene um, we have volunteers all over the building. They deliver newspapers. They answer phones at the front desk. They help in surgery waiting. And so she and I, of course, always kind of fill in the holes. Um, I, might, I visit, I always visit with patients and visitors. I'm a resource for people if they're there from out of town and they need help, um, if they're homeless. I'm, I'm very much a connector resource for what is in Somerset. What are the agencies that can help and, and how can I be a connector person for people who have needs. So a little bit of all of that day-to-day is very different every day. What, I don't know what if we, that answered your question. <laughs> no, it
0: absolutely does. I think it sounds like an amazing job and like your hand is in lots of different um, baskets and, and how lucky. So I, I'm interested to hear what is your favorite part of your job? Do you, I mean, it's probably impossible to pick one, huh?
1: I know. Yeah. Um, Gosh, yeah, it really is, because I get to work alongside a lot of our managers and our team members, um, get to be there for them. Sometimes I'll get that call, um, or sometimes managers will come in and talk to me and say, oh, I've got an employee that I really think is struggling. Can you help me with resources? And, you know, we'll kind of put our heads together and see what we need to do. Um, I love working with the teenagers, the explorers, and watching them there's some now that I've been I've been there six years and there are some who are through college and they're they're coming out and into their careers and and I know that that program has been an impact you know an impact on their lives that is so neat to see and then working with the ministers I get to do a lot with ministerial association in town and um like you said just just being a witness of of my faith and um I can't really, I don't know that I can pick one favorite thing. I love it. You love it all.
0: Well, I'm interested to hear how you have seen God show up in the midst of your work.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, Well, many times, many times when I, I do visit with families Um, I'm often there not always but often if there's a code that's called or even just sometimes if somebody's going to pass away and there's not going to be a code call and they just know you know that it's that time that the family's gathered and um, I get to see so many so much love I get to see so many times when families gathered with each other and um, celebrating you know somebody or just talking with people about their history and their lives And, and and in the adverse to that I you know, I see the rooms sometimes where there's somebody who's lonely, who doesn't really have anyone, or whose um, pathway in life has has taken them to where they've kind of burned bridges. You know, they just don't really have the the connection and the options and the the things. So that makes me very passionate about. Um, reaching people, reaching young people and teaching them about choices that they make and keeping that connectivity in their lives and keeping those relationships built and um, being sure that what they're doing with their lives is giving glory and, and is building the kingdom and building this world. Um, so I've seen it, I guess, both ways. And even in that, I feel like God speaks to me. I, almost not every day, but almost every week, I handle some situation with someone who is Lonely, hurting, homeless, um, just desolate. And it every time it teaches me not to take anything I have for granted and not to take the opportunities that are in front of me for granted. Um, and I will say too that when I see the families, um, although it sounds like it would be depressing to go to the code calls and, and pray with people, it, it has taught me not to take a moment for granted. To treasure, treasure, treasure the day that I have in front of me and not to worry as much. Gosh, it has taught me that sometimes I see people and, and I think I wonder what they were stressed out or angry about or frustrated over or worried over yesterday that now that they're sitting here with, you know, fill in the blank, XYZ loved one that has unexpectedly passed away, they wish they hadn't spent time on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good perspective, Melissa. Um, Well, you know, so most people in the hospital are sick or injured or hurting or even possibly on their deathbed. So what have you found that helps people in these situations the most?
1: Um, I think just a listening ear, just someone to spend time with them and be kind. I really have been amazed so many times when I will respond and come to sit with somebody. Sometimes it's just being there with them, holding their hand. Um, A lot of times if they're hurting and their loved one is passing away or they're sitting there maybe on a bench or they're not sure if they're going to be okay, really encouraging them to talk about their loved one. What do you love about this person? I love to talk to older couples that have been married some of them 30, 40, 50 years, and just ask them, how did you meet? How, you know, when did you meet each other? How did you know you wanted to get married? And just just to hear, and I think it helps them sometimes just to, to talk about their loved one mm, yeah. um, and just to recognize the good that's been there in their lives. But, I, you know, it's all different for everybody. I don't know that there's a, I've done all different things with different people. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Every situation I'm sure is different and what they need. Yeah. Um, well, so let's talk for a moment about the power of prayer. You, you have had the privilege of praying with so many patients and mm-hmm. hospital visitors. So what impact does prayer have on these people and the situations they are facing?
1: Um I think that it, it just brings a moment of calm, first of all, at least in, in, in the situations we're describing, it helps them to kind of calm themselves. It helps them to take a deep breath and and literally physiologically, it creates that sense of, okay, you know, just deep breath and kind of relaxes all of your body muscles and helps you to just, um, I think it helps them for that moment in time to feel like they're in someone else's hands. So often when you are making those decisions for a loved one or you're in that emergency moment, Um, you just everything tenses and that's natural you just want to you just feel like you should be doing something or having some kind of control or making decisions and, and you oftentimes have to but it becomes overwhelming and so to be able to give yourself over for that minute or two of prayer with somebody else that okay they're they're speaking they're in charge they're leading this and I know they're here with me and I'm not alone in this and then of course the bigger picture of just there's there's a creator that's right here with me and that's right here with my loved one. And that has all of this in, in his hands. It just reminds them, it kind of settles them back into that in that moment. It doesn't make anything better, obviously. Nothing does when you're losing a loved one, but I think it has those impacts for people. It allows them to let themselves over into the hands of someone that they know isn't going to make any physical decisions. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not going to fix anything or give them good news or bad news. Um, but they can kind of rest into my presence or my chaplain's presence during that time. Um, and I think it just helps them physiologically kind of take a deep breath. Um, and then also just reminds them that, that there's a creator bigger than I am. That's in charge of all of this and I need to rest into that yeah, and trust. Yeah. You know,
0: I, I believe that God is a miracle worker. You know, we see that in, in the Bible, and I believe that still happens today. Yep. So ha- have you witnessed any miracles firsthand during your position there at the hospital?
1: Um, I don't know if I would say like where we prayed for somebody and they were, you know, healed. Um I'm gonna think on that for a minute. I have witnessed some moments where not so much about a healing miracle. I have seen people amazing. I mean, just times when I I've, I've seen them in the ER, the in the in the ER or in the ICU and thought, oh my goodness, you know, they're vented and they're they're sedated and they've been in there for a week or two. And and you do, you just start to think, oh my goodness, I just don't know if this person's gonna come out of this. I don't know what their body's gonna do. And I've seen them come back in to see me weeks later and think, oh my gosh. Um, so certainly. I do think that it's, those things are possible. I don't know that I've been involved in a particular, that kind of miracle. I have had times though, where my chaplains have, I've got two stories really. One was a night, um, I don't know if I can explain it with it. It sounded convoluted. I had a chaplain who was on call who had a short four hour window. He had to work that evening and I was in the building, but they didn't know I was in the building and somebody had stopped by the front desk to ask the lady at the front desk if if a chaplain could come up and visit and she had called my chaplain on call because she didn't know I was in the building and and the chaplain on call had said I absolutely will come over I've got this short shift I've got to do this evening but I would happy to be there I'll come right after 10 o'clock if that's okay with the person and the person that had stopped said yes that would be fine would love the chaplain to visit that evening so then a moment later I came around the front desk and the lady at the front desk said, Oh, I didn't know you were still here. Um, and she, but it had been, she hadn't written down the room number or anything. And she had passed the, the name of the patient along to the chaplain on the phone. And she said, I don't, Oh gosh, I don't even remember what room number they were in. And um, anyways, long story short, I didn't go visit, but they, she said, your chaplain said he'll come back tonight. He will be here right after 10 o'clock. And I said, okay, well that's, Perfect. We'll let him go. Um, I came back in the next morning and the chaplain came in and said, you're not going to believe what happened last night. Well, I should back up. There's another little part of the story. There was an explorer at the front desk at that moment. And she said, I just saw the lady go out into the parking garage. Do you want me to see if I can grab her and ask her where her, you know, loved one was that wanted to visit. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to run up there. And the explorer went and looked. She looked all around and she said, I don't see her anywhere. And she said, she wasn't very quick moving. I don't know how she got out of here so fast. But um, I said, well, that's all right. My chaplain will come. I know he will. And she said, yeah, he wrote down the information and he said he would come. So the next morning he came in and he said, Melissa, you're not going to believe this. He said last night. And he had no idea about this request uh, that I had been there and was going to try to go. He said, I came over here a little after 10, right after I got off work for this request. And I said, yeah, I knew somebody had asked you about it, but they didn't, couldn't remember the room number to tell me where to go. And he said, well, I came into the chapel and there was this whole crowd of people in there. And I thought they were the ones that maybe wanted to pray with me, but sure enough, they were a different family. And he said, so I told him. I will be happy to pray with you all. And they told me what was going on, but I came here to go visit someone else. Do you mind if I go upstairs? I'm going to go see them, check on them, and then I will come back down and pray with you. And the family in the chapel said that would be great. He went up to the room and the patient that was originally requested. The people who were there did not ask for anybody to come visit, checked with everyone they could think of that might have asked for someone to come visit, a chaplain to come visit. Nobody knew who stopped at the front desk to make the request. Mm. No, they had their own pastor who had already been there to see them. And that but they were like, well, great, you know, pray with us. So he did. He prayed with them. Meanwhile, he came back downstairs to the family that was gathered in the chapel right after 10 o'clock and prayed with them. And then they led him over to CVU waiting room to another family that they had been talking with, both of whom had loved ones who were probably going to pass that night and were just completely distraught. And he said, I just couldn't get over. And I said, that is just that I really believe that it was an angel that came by that desk. I really do. Mm -hmm. Because the family in the original room didn't know who made the request in the first place. And when the explorer went running out to the garage to try to find that person, she couldn't find her. And then it was odd, too, that the lady at the front desk couldn't remember the name or the room number. Because normally she'd have been able to just say, well, go on up to such and such. I know for a fact. I know for a fact that my chaplain was meant to be there a little after 10 o'clock that night for these other families. Mm -hmm. Um, So just a really cool story. And then I do have one other um, time when one of my chaplains had come in a little late. We normally do an 845 chapel call. It's just an announcement we make to let people know that the chaplain will be in the chapel at 9 a.m. for anyone that wants to come and pray and reflect. And um, we do that Monday through Friday as best we can. And he had gotten caught up with something and was running a little bit late. And, and he told me the story, of course, later. And um, he said, I was mad at myself because I'd missed chapel call. And I didn't know. I, I debated back and forth. And he said, I finally decided I'm making chapel call at 915 and telling people to come to the chapel at 930. I'm just going to do it anyways and tell them to come on and see me. And uh, he said, so I'm sorry, but I made it a little bit later today. He said, but lo and behold, and a lot of times, Rachel, there will not be anybody that comes. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times nobody shows up and the chaplains just do their prayer and then make their rounds and do their thing. Um, But on this particular day, when he got back from making his announcement, there was a man waiting in the chapel for him who said he had just come in that morning around nine o'clock and happened to hear the chaplain make the announcement at 915. He had been up visiting with his mother And he ended up giving his life to Christ that day. He ended up recommitting his heart. And um, Bill and I talked about that, that he said, you know, if I'd have made that announcement at 840, like I normally do, that young man would have never been in the building. He said he Mm -hmm. would have just missed it. He would not have known that I was going to be here. And I said, absolutely. So just a couple neat stories like that where um, I love to see what's going to happen with my chaplains because the spirit of God always works with different yeah. personalities and different ones on different weeks.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Those stories are so encouraging and give so much hope. I love that. Thank you for sharing those. Sure. Well, so so Brenda Russell is the one that recommended you as the Extraordinary Giver. And after talking to you, I can completely understand why. <laughs> Is Thank there someone you. who first comes to mind for you that has given extraordinarily?
1: Um, there is. And I, I had a question about that. This is not necessarily just local. Does it matter if the person is no, here yeah. or somewhere yeah. else? Or, okay. Any, anybody that comes to mind for you. Sure. Um, I really think about my Aunt Beth. She Beth Fogarty is her name. And she was my God is my godmother. Um, Just a really, really strong woman of faith always has been um, always been very charitable and giving and loving and kind of the matriarch of our family. Um, My mom was one of seven and my aunt is one of those seven and and she's battled cancer twice. Just a super, super neat lady um, has helped to raise one of her grandchildren. And she probably wouldn't even know that I would say that I would name her. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty powerful, wonderful, wonderful lady. And definitely an inspiration to me in my faith life.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I love that she wouldn't even know that because I think when people are truly living, living generosity with their lives. They, they don't even want the accolades. They're not doing it to no. be noticed. It's just who they are, um, yep. which is something that I notice about you. Um, oh, well, thank so, you. So, so Melissa, thank you so much for being my guest today and for loving others so well and for teaching us how to love well also. God bless you and all you listeners.
1: Thanks, Rachel.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Melissa Lancaster. I'm so grateful to be able to live in the same community with someone who is so generous and so caring. If you're interested in today's show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram or on Facebook. Next week, my guest is Amanda flores She is the author of Unraveled. She wrote this book after her toddler was taken from her arms in a local grocery store. And as she began to research what she experienced She believed that this abduction attempt was uh, something that patterned and resembled child trafficking in America and something that she knew very little about, and it was terrifying. As we will discuss in her episode, we hope that you find freedom from your own mom fears and therefore allowing you to fight this injustice fiercely by applying biblical truths and practical exercises that will forever change the way that you mother. Until then, I hope you have a terrific week and And as always, remember to lead with love.